faithwire.com. Inflation surges a massive 7% in December. Today is Wednesday, January 12, 2022. I'm Dan Andros. We'll have that top story and more on today's 4 and 3 podcast from CBN's Faithwire. I want to welcome in everybody uh, from the CBN News Daily Rundown. We've joined forces with them. We're here every Wednesday. Glad you are here. Glad to be here. You can find us on iTunes. Go ahead and subscribe over there, the 4 and 3 podcast. We're here Monday through Friday, and I'm here with, as always, Trey Goins Phillips and Billy Hallowell from CBN's FaithWire.com. Happy Wednesday, everybody. What's going on, guys? Well, as always, I'm living the dream. <laughs> right. Yeah. It's hump day, so you is know, it, it's a good good a, day all around. It's a good dream or a bad dream, Billy? Because, I mean, there's... It's a good dream today. It depends on what news you're reading, you know? Well, kinda, yeah. I mean, the, the, the economic news you just led with was a little... <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that's what I was going to say. It's like some days if you're looking over at the economy, it might be more of a nightmare right now. But mm. yeah, you know, we'll just live in our little bubbles and, and it'll be OK. Indeed. So, um, so what else is coming up, guys? <laughs> so critics on social media unloaded this week on uh, John MacArthur for something he said about religious freedom. Uh, it's kind of convoluted. So we'll get into all the details about that <laughs> and why people are up in arms. Yes, and we've got a story about pastors and what they need the most. What are the most pressing needs of pastors and churches in America? Lots of interesting uh, results there. All right, we'll look forward to those, but we are going to start here with uh, this troubling economic news. This is story number one in the details. Inflation rose at the fastest pace in nearly four decades uh, in December. If you remember four decades ago, that's 40 years and let's do the quick math on there. That's 1982. We all, well, you either heard about it or if you've lived through it or your parents lived through it. Um, that was that crazy time where if you got 15% interest rate on a house mortgage, you were doing good. And uh, I remember my, my parents told me that they, they one of their first houses they got, they were like psyched to get 18% or something like that, which is just wild when you think about it, especially when we're getting houses now. A lot of people refinancing for the low threes and the twos even. Um, so just crazy, crazy stuff. But but that's the type of level of inflation we're seeing for this month. And so that's kind of sending cons- consumer fears about the economy up. And it sent President Biden's approval rating down. Um, the consumer price index rose 7% in December from a year ago. That's according to a new Labor Department report that was released today, making that the fastest increase since, as I said, June 1982. That was when inflation hit 7.1%. And so what does that mean? What does that mean for the average person? Well, you've probably been seeing it. Just things cost more. Gas, healthcare, groceries, rents, all this stuff is is jumping and it's going up. And economists uh, expected the index to show that prices surged 7%, uh, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, There's core prices involved in this um, that exclude more kind of up and down measurements. Um, And so uh, it's just just a a tough time right now for people. And it's it's after the market has been kind of... um, steadily going up over the last couple of years so everybody's sort of enjoying a nice little run there with their with their retirement investments and everything else so um so it's a it's a troubling troubling sign and it's quite the opposite of what uh, president biden promised would happen 
back in the summer. Listen to what he had to say here back in, I believe this was in July. It was either June or July, I think July. So here, take, take a listen to this when he was asked about inflation. The vast majority of the experts, including Wall Street, are suggesting that it's un- highly unlikely that's going to be long-term inflation that's going to get out of hand. So that was Biden's take on it. But now gasoline on average costs 49.6% higher than it did last year. Food prices have climbed 6.3% higher over the year. While used car and truck prices, seriously, go look at a used car price or truck. It, it's insane. It's unbelievable. You're like, those are the used prices? Um so, uh, but, th- but those are up 37%. Uh, shelter costs, which make up nearly one-third of the total increase, jumped 0.4% for the month and 4% year over year. That's the fastest pace since February of 2007. Um, and so the experts are saying this 7% inflation rate, what does that mean? Quote, it's no joke, said Seema Shah, the chief strategist at uh, Principal Global Investors. Uh, again, talking about we haven't seen stuff like that since 1982. And this has been bad news, guys. Number two here uh, for, for Biden, not not just consumers, but also Biden. His approval rating has plunged uh, in the midst of all this. And the White House has blamed the price spike on supply chain bottlenecks um, and other you know disruptions in the economy. And, you know, it's it's one of those things where you knew if the, you know if the shoe was on the other foot. You, you'd you'd be hearing it from a you know the the blame being pinned squarely on Trump's shoulders, but uh, you're you're not hearing that quite so much now from the media on Biden, but you are seeing it in the poll numbers as they are as they are uh, dipping uh, for Biden. So why does it matter, guys? Number three, I mean, clearly. We all have a vested interest here in how the economy does. And so when you're going around and you're seeing the gas prices go up, you're seeing store prices up at, at grocery stores, you're seeing just cost of everything rise, you're seeing shelves empty at grocery stores, which is something you're used to seeing in Cuba, not in America. Uh, it's troubling. It's concerning. Everyone just kind of wonders when... When the shoe is going to... When the other shoe is going to drop? When is it... When's the bottom going to fall out? And th- this really start to catch up because I think we all know we're playing with funny money. You, know, you can't just keep printing trillions and trillions of dollars and these massive bills and then expect the bill not to come due. Well, you know, I, I don't know. I Just print away, print away. The sky's not falling. <laughs> right. I do, I do feel like all of this too, you know, when people panic, that's when you make really bad yeah. policy. And a lot of these proposals that we've even seen for years, whether it's, you know, student debt, student loans, apartments and rent and all these different things, you start to move into arena. And this is what I hope doesn't happen where you start to sort of propose those things and people are desperate and they're, they're looking, you know, for relief and they're willing to embrace them. And so that's the kind of thing that can make this kind of situation much worse. It's a really bad situation to have in a midterm year, which makes me think it will somehow be remedied maybe through those bad options um, before we get to November. (laughs) 
Yeah, you know, I think the cynical side of me thinks that politicians kind of wait and wait and wait until an issue becomes big enough of an issue that then they can make the argument that it's a crisis and the government needs to step yeah. in and, and fix the problem for you with some sort of big overreaching bad decision like you were <laughs> alluding to, uh, Billy, because that just seems to be the pattern of what happens. And look, Biden has just been so wrong on predicting the pulse of the economy and understanding what's going on. It's like he makes these comments completely separate and apart from reality. Like I, he said in mid-December uh, that there are, there's no supply shortage issues. That's not going to be an issue moving forward. You at saved all. They Christmas. saved Christmas. Yeah. I was so just going to say I, that. I just went to Target the other day. Uh, and there was like literally, I took a picture of it and tweeted it. There were no dairy products at all. Uh, except for a few uh, a few gallons of whole milk uh, and there was uh, hardly any bread on the shelves it's like I, it was <laughs> as, as if there was just absolutely nothing to buy at the store it's, it's like what, what is going on here right yeah it's absurd well you know who else saved christmas the grinch after he took it <laughs> so i'm just saying no you know that that's i'm not claiming See, that's the, the thing it's just, let's let's create go. a crisis and then we can step in and yeah, fix there it you go. there you go there you go there you go so all right. Story number two. So critics unloaded this week, like I said at the at the top, uh, after a short clip of California pastor John MacArthur talking about religious freedom went viral. The problem, though, is that the clip was one, it was from early January of last year, uh, but it was also kind of deceptively edited. Uh, so we'll start number one with the details. So the clip, uh, which was from a sermon that he preached right after President Biden was inaugurated, showed MacArthur saying that he doesn't even support religious freedom. He went on to say that religious freedom is what sends people to hell. To say I support religious freedom is to say I support idolatry. It's to say I support lies, I support hell, I support the kingdom of darkness. And I get like right off the top, that sounds that doesn't sound too good. Uh, so but in the video, MacArthur went on to say that his church would not lobby the government on religious freedom. He said, we're not going to lobby for freedom of religion. What kind of nonsense is that? We are in the, uh, we are in the world to expose all of those lies as lies. Uh, so almost immediately, critics unloaded on uh, MacArthur, who is prone to provocation, as, as as we all know, David French uh, called his comments disturbing. Uh, Brooke Medina, she's the vice president of communications for the John Locke Foundation, and she's also a member of the Southern Baptist Convention's resolution committee. She said that uh, to be against religious freedom, like that clip kind of suggests, uh, suggests means you think so little of the kindness of God, which leads us to repentance, that you would prefer the force of the state. Uh, so, point number two here is that. Like I said, it was kind of edited and, and it's, it's deceptive. It's not really clear exactly what MacArthur was saying in context. So in a longer video of, of the whole sermon, it appears MacArthur was talking about the ways in which governments, particularly more leftist-leaning governments administrations, will manipulate the phrase religious freedom to end up quashing the rights of Christians. He said, if the new administration, talking about Biden, supports religious freedom, get ready. Persecution will be ramped up because the more supportive they are of the devil's lies, the less they're going to tolerate the truth of scripture. Overall, it seems that though, as though MacArthur was urging his congregation to place their trust in God rather than in earthly governments for protection and advancement of the gospel, uh, which is in line with comments he's made in the past in several sermons. In fact, he talked about it for a couple more sermons, one in February and then one again in March of last year uh, after he got the initial backlash for it. So why does it matter? Look, this is the thing. Social media waters down and destroys 
everything. I think, you know, our instant <laughs> gratification obsessed culture, I think we want everything to be simple so we can easily either cheer it or condemn it as, as awful and like uh, prop somebody up or instantly cancel them like we were talking about yesterday. The truth, though, is that reality is not like that, uh, particularly when you're talking about nuanced and tricky subjects like this and, and religious freedom and the gospel and, and the fact that the gospel is going to flourish whether there's persecution or not. Like these are big topics that, that they need time to be fleshed out. So as Christians, I think we ought not fall for this kind of stuff. It was upsetting to see so many Christians. And I know there are plenty of things that you can either praise or criticize MacArthur for. But as Christians, we shouldn't just, our knee-jerk reaction shouldn't be to, to criticize or condemn our fellow believers without really seeking to understand the full context. So, you know, I think the takeaway here is that we should we should slow down and really understand what it is our fellow brothers and sisters in Christ are saying before we jump to just condemn them on social media. Well, yeah. I agree. <laughs> I'm not I kidding. Kidding. It sounds kidding. like a full-throated <laughs> endorse, endorsement there, Billy. I mean, geez. I was totally joking. Yeah. Was totally it's fine if you want us to actually read the I guess, sermon. Trey. Yeah, I guess we have to be kind <laughs> to one another. I know. <laughs> I know that's no fun. It's no fun to be kind and thoughtful. but you know. <laughs> It is amazing, though, that people are... It, I think that is one of the big diseases in our social media and national media discourse right now is the inability yeah. of people to actually do the legwork and read someone's full comments. I, it's amazing how many no, times we, somebody will say, tweet. yeah, yeah. You just read the, you just read the tweet. That's it. And you're like, oh, this is terrible. Like you have to know that somebody is, you know, th there are times where they are actually bad comments. I get it. But most of the time it's somebody purposely with an axe to grind who is trying to put your worst foot forward, spin something in the worst light possible. And, you know, there are entire organizations dedicated to doing that to people. And so you, you should never, ever, whenever you see the dot, dot, dot on a quote for the love of everything, just go in there and listen to the whole thing yourself. Try to yeah. get the context. You know, it's, it's, it would be nice if people just actually gave people the benefit of the doubt before right. you actually just leapt on. I mean, I can't imagine leaping on someone before I even really looked at what they said. Yeah, I don't know how you can do that. More, good often, more often than not, there's a whole lot hidden in that dot, 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 of, you know, good. Right. And, why did they, so and why did they do it? A few minutes. Why did they put it there? Was it just to save space or is it because they knew it would look worse if they paired right. the two things on the other side of the dots together? Well, and we need context. Like we're so trained to just unleash on people without really even knowing what, well, why did they say it? What did it mean? And sometimes in the end, it's as terrible as we thought it was, but a lot of times, you know, right. maybe it's not, or there was something missing, but I wanted to, I wanted to add, you know, to this, it is a little difficult to discern all the finer elements. I don't disagree with the argument and I'll play devil's advocate a little bit here that the religious freedom thing often comes along with people who aren't really respecting it, even though they're saying they are. But your alternative to no, you know, to, to people not saying they support religious freedom would be North Korea, right? I mean, you have, right. to, me, to me, I think there is a healthy place where if somebody is truly, even if they're not believers, open to re real religious freedom, that, that 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 isn't always a bad thing to work toward yeah. in practice. But I don't right? think he was saying, like, don't, like, he wasn't advocating for a lack of religious freedom, right? No, I, I think it, he was just saying, like, be, be alert for you know, the, the consequences that, that kind of sneak in there uh, undetected well, with this language. 
And you have to remember that like there, there's an additional context, not just of what MacArthur was preaching, but the fact that Grace Community Church has been embroiled in a legal battle for a long time yeah. now uh, over defying COVID mandates. And yeah. he even said during some of that, those hearings and, and conversations, legal conversations, that he wanted to defend religious liberty. And he said yeah. that we yeah. have right because of religious liberty to be here. So he's clearly not a guy who's opposed to religious liberty. Now, could he have worded it differently? Could he have been not as provocative as he was? And that was what, I can't remember who it was, but someone who said that they agree with the the overall yeah. point MacArthur's making, but said he is prone to being provocative. And I think he was being hyperbolic here in his sermon to make a valid point, but it could lead to some confusion. I think it was Andrew Walker who made that point. Right. Said, I agree with what he's saying, but this could lead to some confusion. And I think right. that's what, what's happened here. And then there are also, like you mentioned, Dan, there are people who just want to jump on people on social media for retweets or right. likes or whatever. Right. It's like, yeah. it's like there could be it could be misconstrued, especially when someone grabs it out of context and slaps it up there on the internet for everybody to retweet. Right. So yeah, but you're right. Yeah. Like, but you do have to be. You're somebody like John MacArthur. You have to be aware that people are out there to take you down. So you well, cannot and, yeah. give them. You can't make it easy for them. So I'm well, sure that wasn't his intention. Take a mile. Yeah. Right. It exactly. Felt, exactly. It felt like the reactions were more. What I'm saying is more. Not even so much about what he said. It was more about the reactions. Well, anytime somebody you know talks about religious freedom, then dot dot dot. It's like, well, no. There are times that I think that doesn't come along with people who are trying to abuse religious freedom, even if they're even if they're not believers. So of course, I think he supports religious freedom. His his church was fighting for it, right? But. But to the broader point, we just need to be careful what we assume based on little snippets of what we're seeing. Yeah. 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 All right. Well, that brings us, speaking of pastors, into this really interesting survey that Lifeway Research put out. It was part of their 2022 Greatest Needs of Pastors study. And they basically interviewed a couple hundred pastors and went through, you know, asking them, what are your needs? What are the big things that your churches are facing? They then took that research out to a thousand pastors asking about those pressing needs. And they came up with a number of really interesting things. About 76% of the pastors who they surveyed, um, they basically said that they see a major issue with developing leaders and volunteers, that that's a big you know, conundrum or issue or responsibility for them. The second most cited thing, 76% of the pastors talked about creating connections with unchurched people. So that was really interesting to me because the biggest priorities for pastors was A, building up their own church, the leaders and the volunteers at their church, and then B, reaching out to people who are unchurched, non-believers even. So that was kind of encouraging to see. But then when you get to the third most cited need, this one really caused me to sort of pause and reflect uh, because it has to do with the fact that there's apathy and sort of a lack of commitment among people in congregations. That seems like a really notable problem because the first two things, and this is sort of the second point here, but the first two things that they're saying are most pressing, developing leaders, reaching out to the unchurched, that requires devoted committed people within the church. And if the third biggest problem that you're having is apathy and lack of commitment, gosh, that, that would seem like a real conundrum for pastors. And then the fourth one that I'll mention here was consistency in personal prayer. Seems like a pretty important thing. And, you know, it seemed like the pastors were saying that in, in general between them, not only themselves, but their, their congregations, there were lots of other things that they brought up 
Um, that, but most of them fell under 70%. The ones that I mentioned were were all over 70% of the pastors agreeing that these were big barriers. And, you know, this, this matters for a lot of reasons. Pastors, we've seen in previous studies, it tends to be a position that is very difficult, that comes along with a lot of struggles and loneliness and, and all of that. And, and so there's sort of two pieces here. The first is that the encouraging thing is that most pastors, the vast majority, are focused on the areas they need to be focused on, building up leaders in their church, and then reaching the unchurched. I think the the sort of unfortunate part is that, you know, there's a little bit of apathy. There's not maybe commitment as much as there needs to be in a lot of churches around the country um, from parishioners. Um, and then I think, you know, stemming off of that, knowing the pressures of, of being a pastor you know, just being there for our pastors, making sure that we are, you know, listening to their needs. I think it's really easy to forget that a pastor is a person too. They're, they have a lot of pressure on them and we've seen a lot of pastors fall. And so I think as communities of faith, it's a really good idea for us to be making sure that we're there for the preachers as much as we expect them to be there for us. Yeah. I mean, yeah, hundred percent. I, I, yeah, I mean, I think that's something we overlook. It's easy to overlook. I mean, you don't get to see what a pastor does on a day, on a day to day basis throughout the week. I think it's probably exhausting just the ministering, you know, to people. I mean, I know they want to do it; that's what they're called to do. But I'm, uh, it's got to be difficult and draining. Yeah, yeah, and I think that's something that would be helpful for people is, is to see what it is that, that their pastors do. And I know that there are plenty of people who they are transparent, and there's there's all that information. But I think it would be beneficial for lay people like just for the congregants to see all the stuff that a pastor does because I think it's easy to fall into that mindset of like well what are they doing like why can't they do this for me but the reality is that they're doing this for you know they're praying for people visiting people helping people and it's multiplied by however many congregants you have plus people outside of the church who they're doing stuff with so you know the the work hours are are stretched all over the place because so many pastors are doing so much and I think we make the uh, faulty assumption of thinking like, well, they don't have a traditional work schedule, so why can't they do this? And I think it's important to realize, you know, the pastors are checking on you, but who's checking on the pastor? Uh, yeah. So definitely it's it's important to be not only praying for your pastor, but also going up to them after church on Sundays or Wednesdays, whenever you see them and, and asking them how they're doing. Is there anything you can help them with? Uh, because, you know, there's they're human too. Like y'all have said, they're going through things just like we are. Um, so that, you know, they need to be able to lean on their community just as much as we do. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. All right. Hey guys, I want to, I want to throw this uh, happy story your way before we head out here for the day. Uh, it's on cbnnews.com right now. I wanted to get your guys reaction to this watchdog warns that Biden administration appears to be creating a database of Americans who asked for religious exemptions. Um, oh, so the daily signal reported this. Uh, through the Heritage Foundation that is happening at something called the Pretrial Services Agency for the District of Columbia. They say on their website that they're a federal agency responsible for gathering information uh, about newly arrested defendants and preparing the recommendations considered by the court in deciding release options. The agency announced the creation of a new record system that will store the names and, quote, personal religious information, end quote, of all employees who make, quote, religious accommodation requests for religious exemption from the federally mandated vaccination requirement. Oh, so, hmm. huh? What's your uh, what's your guys' reaction to that? That's uh, 
That's that's something else, huh? I mean, I don't know. I mean, I, I've never heard of this uh, of this particular federal agency. I don't, so I don't even know. Maybe their website's inaccurate. I don't know. I don't know anything about this uh, agency. I've never heard of it. Pretrial services, but uh, not good if they're creating a, a federal registrar of people who have been seeking religious exemptions from these vaccine mandates. Yeah, that's a little, little strange. <laughs> Seems like that, you know, that something like that is bound to be challenged legally. Yes. Yeah. I mean, you'd hope so. I'll, you know, I, these days I question if people are going to actually challenge these things because you're seeing things like Joy Reid was on television the other day saying unvaccinated people should pay more in society. We need to punish them more. You know, um, Howard Stern's yelling at uh, tennis star uh, Djokovic to get out of tennis because he was unvaccinated. I mean, it's just that sort of rhetoric is ramping up. And so we are really on the precipice, I think, of just going off the deep end uh, into, yeah. into George Orwell territory. Or let's come back to sanity and freedom and actually let people make their own choices. It just it seems like we're right on the edge. Like there's a lot of these things where people are they're like dipping their toe in the water to see if, hey, let's start this registry. This would be a great idea, guys. This would keep us safe. And they just want to see how people react. I don't don't know. That's what it feels like. I don't want to sound like the the government nerd, but I think the, the thing is, is that these kind of stories end up happening or these kind of actions end up being taken and comments like what Joy Reid said are being made on national television and nobody's pushing back against it because people now just don't seem to understand the Constitution like have they ever cracked it open and read it. Yeah. Uh, like to see like, wait, like you know, because if people knew the Constitution, the government would know like, Oh, they're going to call our bluff on this. They're going to yeah. realize that we can't actually do this. But the problem is, is that people just assume like, well, they're the government. So they can, of course they can do this. There's nothing wrong with this. Right. They have the authority to do this. They got to like, keep us well, safe. In other countries. Yes. But actually in America, they don't, they don't have the authority right. to do this. So, right. they, well, this is Turkmenistan. Why, they do that, but not here in America. Well, see, this is why it's dangerous when people talk about, you know, why does religion matter? Why does it's dangerous to start removing these sorts of just even presence of faith. But but what that does is it breeds this sort of apathy to people's right. complaints when this happens. It's like, oh, well, it doesn't matter anyway. It's like, well, no, it does. And, you know, everybody has something they care about, right? They yeah. have a freedom they care about. And it's really interesting that people only get perturbed when their freedom is disturbed. Yeah. We live in a country where, you know, I'm going to defend someone else's freedom generally as long as it doesn't violate something that I believe is true. Um, as you know, even if I don't agree with it, because that's what this country is about. Indeed. Indeed. For sure. All right. On that happy note, we're going to leave it there for today's episode. Uh, As always, you can get more news from a Christian perspective over on CBNnews.com or faithwire.com. And don't forget to subscribe to this podcast, the four and three podcast. Don't let the algorithms decide what news you see and don't see. Choose for yourself. Take a little bit of control of that. So All right, we shall return tomorrow with more. God bless. Enjoy the rest of your Wednesday. We'll see you then.